There. <laughs> okay. What did I say? I made fun of the video, and then I introduced. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, I'm the downtown pastor, and uh, uh, would love to invite you guys just to show up on a Sunday and kind of get to experience some of the uh, multi-generational, multicultural church that we are as Blackhawk downtown. It's a pretty cool time. Um, you don't have to wake up early. Our 10:45 is mostly students, so you can come and um, see all your friends. You don't even—I don't want to say this—you don't really even have to come on time. Like three fourths of the people don't, anyway. So um, we're really we're really laid back. Anyways, this is not what I was going to talk about. Um, you guys are uh, in the middle of this series where you're talking about the gospel, right? Um, the word gospel means uh, it comes from a Greek word euangelion, which you is the prefix that we get the word like euphoria from, which means like super happy and good. And on the angelos, the other end of it means like news. So that's why people say like the gospel is good news. It's information about something that's happened in the past, something objective that like changes the future for everybody in, in a really good way, in a way that you would like people would, you would hear it and you'd be like, that's amazing. And you just want to talk about it. Right. Right. It's like, um, <laughs> not like bad news. I was just going to say, like, didn't the Jets just barely win a game? But they've had, like, years of bad luck, so we won't talk about he who must not be named in the Jets. Um, <laughs> you're roasting my quarterback. Come on, man. Um, gosh. So, uh, so um, good news is something we talk about. That's what the gospel, that's what the gospel is. Um, so last week you talked about who Jesus is, right? Talked about him. Um, being the Messiah, kind of the promised king, God who is with us. And this week, uh, my job is to talk about what Jesus has done. And that video is pretty awesome. Because I, I really was feeling like, how am I going to talk about what Jesus has done? If you're like me and you grew up in kind of a church context, um, I went to church, I heard that God loves me, Jesus died for me a lot. And it was a little bit like white noise, if I'm honest. Part of me was like, blah, 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 I heard it. Okay, come on, tell me something you know, new. And, um, uh, and it just can kind of fade into the background if you grow up in a church context. If you haven't, thinking about Jesus dying for you can be also confusing. It'd be, okay, what does that mean? Even if you did, you might be like, okay, what happened really when he died, when he lived and he died for us? And so tonight we're going to kind of, um, we're going to try to, we're going to try to dive into that uh, together. What has Jesus done for us? I, um, in the last week, I have a, I have a, a, a teenage daughter, a teenage son, and then like an 11-year-old son. And my boys uh, share a room. They have like bunk beds. And my 11-year-old <laughs> was like, hey, Dad, can we like read the Bible together? And I'm a professional Christian, and I should be like, sure. But I'm like, it's so late at night. I just want to go to bed, you know. Um, but we started reading the Gospel of John. I, I was like, what, should we what do you want to read? And I was like, I probably should read a story. So we started reading through the Gospel of John. Um, before bed, both my boys would listen. And they grew up, like, hearing Bible stories. But as we were reading through the Gospel of John, there'd be points when they'd be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, stop, what? He did what to Jesus? And then, like, they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus said what about himself? Um, Jesus gets betrayed, and they're like, Judas, like, just turns on him? You know, like, like uh, the, the story was, like, fresh. Even though they had heard it, they'd never, like, actually read it like a story. And honestly, I'm dad laying on the ground, reading it on my phone in the dark, hoping they're going to fall asleep while I'm reading it. And I'm like getting choked up, you know, because I'm like, 
it's been a long time since I had just read through the Gospel of John like a story and let it kind of move me. And so um, I don't have time to do all of that with you tonight. But I would just say, if you've never done that, like, do it. Like, you can get an app on your phone. You can go analog without Bible. That's probably the better way to go. And I would say, see if you can read the Gospel of John in, like, three sittings. It actually won't take too long, right? Don't think about it too much. Just read it like a story and see how it moves your heart. Because when we got to the end, actually, my youngest son fell asleep three, three times right before Jesus died, like three nights in a row, so I had to keep reading the story of Jesus' like death. And, you know, and then I'd be like, are you guys awake? And they'd be quiet. Like, nah. But every time I would like, I would feel moved by it in a way that I honestly, if, I would, if I'm a professional Christian and a pastor, in a way that I just haven't for a while. And my hope is that like, even as we talk about it tonight, Maybe it will move something inside of you. Because when we think about what Jesus had done for us, it's wonderful. It's, like, really cool. But it's also really horrible. Like, the cross of Jesus is a wonder and it's a horror all at the same time. Um, today, when we talk about a cross, right, uh, you, like, people get cool cross tattoos. Anybody have a cool cross tattoo somewhere on there? person we only have one right <laughs> hey <laughs> i'm not gonna make you show it um right people get cool cross tattoos uh maybe you wear like a beautiful like gold cross necklace anybody have a like a set cross necklace okay i got a little like over here um uh in church we sing songs about the cross there's an old hymn that goes like uh talks about the wonderful cross right gets sung a lot um if you lived in the first century and somebody attached the adjective wonderful, cool, or beautiful next to the word cross, you would think that was the most insane thing you would ever heard. Because in the first century, they saw plenty of crosses too. And they weren't wonderful, and they weren't cool, and they weren't beautiful. But they were horrific. Jesus... Sometime in the third decade of his life, there's plenty of historical sources that uh, talk about a Jewish man in Judea who, like, for three years has this revolutionary ministry where he's, like, overturning the religious system, where he's talking about forgiveness and love and bringing marginalized people into the center. And he's talking about a whole new way to experience God and have life and have, like, real assurance of that. Um, and he's super compelling. That Jesus was really divisive, too. And after three years, he, like, suffers a sham of an unjust trial. And then he's ridiculed, he's mocked, he's beaten, he's stripped naked, and he's hung bleeding in public to slowly die for everybody to see. Jesus dies on a terrible, horrible cross. But in, like, ancient Judea and in Rome, like, crosses were... Um, they were actually pretty common. Like, Jesus' death wasn't, like, exceptionally painful compared to other, like, ways people died. Um, like, uh, it wasn't all that uncommon either. See, what happened to Jesus was, like, significant, not because of what happened on the cross, but because of who it happened to. 
right? It's not about what happened, but who it happened to, right? You talked about who Jesus was. The person who hung bleeding on the cross was the Son of God. The only, like, fully God, fully man, the only person who has ever lived a perfect life. He came to his own people, people he loved, created. He had, like, deep affection for, and he led us, like, tear his body apart, right? Like, that's what makes it ex- exceptional. The Romans were really good at crucifixion. Um, so uh, they, they, were, they didn't invent it, but they uh, definitely perfected it. They used it to sort of, like, suppress their people to get them to, like, stay in line. In fact, it was, like, a, uh, B.C., like, 71, there's this slave rebellion that happens. I don't know. There was an old movie called Spartacus. Did you guys ever hear of Spartacus? Um, and this is real. So uh, the, all these the slaves rebel. They're trying to overturn uh, Rome. Rome puts it down. And at once, the Roman government crucifies 6,000 6, men and women along the busiest road that leads to Rome so that there was 50 crosses for every mile that led to Rome of men and women who were tortured, stripped naked, not in like tidy loincloths like we usually see pictures of, but stripped naked and are left publicly dying. So everyone knows, you don't mess with Rome. We're the ones who are really in charge. Right? Jesus' death is not exceptional because of what was suffered, but because of who suffered it. The Son of God, like, uh, the prophecy said, like, oh, um, the Son will be given, right? You guys know there's this, like, uh, book of Isaiah talks about a prophecy, you know, that's like, uh, and we say, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. God with us died like us when he died on the cross, when he died for us. Um, if I were going to ask you why Jesus died, the, uh, the kind of church answer right up front, there's, uh, this is the verse from 1 Corinthians. It says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Jesus died um, and he raised to life. He is what he did was die for our sins. He died for our sins. Um, God's with us. All right. Um, he was given for us. So, like, uh, there's the really famous verse, you know, for God. This is another one I got a slide for. <laughs> for God so loved the world. This is one you probably, you know, John 3.16. They hold it up at football games and all those things. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, his life and his death is a gift. It's like a precious gift that is given to you and me so that we um, can have life. Um, It's a crazy gift. It's a beautiful gift. um, But it is a gift. See, God, like, loved us, and he didn't just want to send prophets and, like, stuff like that. But he wanted to come personally and tell us, like, I love you. I, I love you. We received that gift, and we mishandled it. Like, when we think about, um, when we think about uh, gifts, we often think about Christmas, right? Like, Christmas is all about um, uh, giving gifts because the incarnation, God being made human, is a gift. 
and um, sorry, you're like, what's going on? I was going to bring this stuff out earlier, and I forgot to. Um, is a gift. But the cross, when we think about, like, Good Friday, um, the, that is all about humanity mishandling the precious gift that we have in Jesus. Um, in our house, we have a whole set of precious gifts. So, um, w- uh, does anybody did you grow up in a house where you had, like, did anybody have, grow up in a house where you have, like, china, like, fancy plates? Or maybe your grandparents had fancy, fancy plates because people don't do this anymore. I, my wife grew up in a house where, like, her great-grandmother passed on plates to her grandmother, to my, like, to Alicia's mom, and then they're going to come to Alicia someday. So when we got married and we're, like, registering for gifts, Alicia's like, I really want to get a set of fine china. I was like, they're expensive. Are we really going to use them? And she's like, oh, we have to. And I was like, okay. So people um, bought us this set of, like, fine china, right? Um, we, uh, we keep them in a special case like this, and uh, so, so nothing bad happens to them. We actually keep them in a cupboard we call the no-no cabinet so that when our kids only want new one word no and they touch that cabinet, we'd go, no, 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 <laughs> you know, like, so they knew, like, oh, you don't mess with mom's plates, right? Because it's not just about the value of the plate, but it's also about the value of, like, who gave it to us and who repre- what it represents, then there's, like, extra padding inside the, n- the case that's inside the no-no cabinet. There's stuff between all of these. So, um, so we have these plates, and we bring them out on, like, special occasions, like anniversaries and, um, and holidays. Like, we'll eat with them on Thanksgiving, you know, like, because um, it's a precious gift. Now, what do you think would happen if, like, after dinner on Thanksgiving, my uh, boys, like, take this plate and they, you know, they start just, <laughs> you know, like, playing, like, you know, like, mishandling it. Like, Charlie throws it to Will and goes, hey, Will, take the plate. You know, like, some of you are like, don't do that. <laughs> right right now, it, it just makes you, like, yes, you're like, anxiety is going up, right? Because uh, you better believe that my wife is going to let them know you do not handle mom's plates like that, right? Um, and they would remember that for a long time. Um, so Jesus is a precious gift. He was given to us, and we mishandled him. He came to teach us about love and forgiveness, to tell us himself that he loved us. The scripture says he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You know, many of us, we grow up in church, and we hear about Jesus and his love and his forgiveness, and it's just sort of like an accessory. He's not like fine china. Maybe we treat him a little, not, maybe not like a paper plate, something we maybe keep around that's a little sturdy, like a Yeti mug. You're like, I love my Yeti mug, you know? But you're not like honoring that Yeti mug with your, with our, with your life, with how you handle it. You know what I mean? Um, and many of us, we can kind of like walk around with Jesus like that. It's a shock and a horror when somebody sort of like mishandles a precious gift. On the cross, when we think about what happened to Jesus, it really shouldn't have been him dying. Like the horror of the cross is that the Son of God suffered death for sin. It shouldn't be him. It should actually be me. 
who died on the cross. So scripture says that the wages of sin is death. That, that passage up there. The penalty for human sin is death because of sin. We all are sort of cursed and separated from God. We're spiritually dead. We can't experience him. There's frustration in our lives because of that. Um, Jesus never sinned. We do. I do. And I'm the professional Christian, and I do it, like, all the time, right? It, like, it happens. The scripture says that everyone, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. Like, no one, no one handles their life with Jesus with sort of the honor that is due to him. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So ever since, like, the, the story in the Bible begins in Genesis with, like, our human parents. Have you guys talked, have you talked about this recently? We talked about it in church quite a bit. Um, where, like, God creates humanity out of clay. He breathes life into them. And there's, like, they blow it really quickly. Really quickly, they, like, um, the gift that God has given them of life, they, like, mishandle it. They rebel. They sin. And it is like the world falls, shatters, and it breaks. And ever since that moment, every, all of us, like, we all sin, and we all experience sort of, like, both spiritual death and the fact that we all sometimes, we all will at some time die. That's the reality of what it means to be human right, right now. Um, it's like, like our, our original parents, it's like their life was loaded with death. And when they sinned, it was like that exploded into the world. And we're all sort of have been wounded by that ever since. We might not like to call it sin, like the junk in our lives. Um, but it's everywhere. Right? Like, I mean, open up a news app right now. I mean, no, don't, because then you'll get distracted and check other things, right? But you can't, like, open up a news app without, like, seeing evidence of the explosion of sin and death in our world. I mean, really, it's like what's happening in Ukraine, man, we do not know how to handle life on earth. Um, the climate crisis, like, I, so, right, this, like, we're living in a moment where most humans alive today are like, oh, we have really screwed up. They, we don't want to call it sin, but there's an awareness that, like, okay, we are, not, as humans, we are not as great as we thought we were. And we have, like, messed things up. Open up your own heart. And maybe, maybe just think about the last two hours of your day, let alone the last week. Some of you, you've been on campus for the last three weeks. It's your first year, and you've made decisions that you really regret. You know, most of us, if we think about it, we all have stuff in our life that if this room knew about, like, we would just, like, want to crawl under a rock and die. We might want to minimize it. We might want to justify it. We might just want to call it a bad choice. But the scripture calls that stuff sin, and it means death and separation from God. The, um, as much as we want to minimize sin, the enormity of our sin can't be minimized when we look at the cross of Jesus. 
Um, the physical pain of the cross was huge. But it was nothing compared to like the existential, the spiritual pain of the sinless Son of God be not just bearing, but becoming sin for us. Um, 2 Corinthians says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. Um, Jesus was physically pinned to a cross with nails. But it, you guys, it was my sin that held him there. Right? It was the sin of the world. Jesus was there and he's bearing like the punishment of all of sin for all of humanity for all time. This God is God's judgment, like this the sword of God's judgment always falls on sin. And on Good Friday when Jesus died, it falls on the earth in the location of all of human sin for all time. It falls on the body of Jesus. And he is broken for us. And he dies and they um, they gather up the pieces lay them in a tomb and that should be the end of it. Because no one is crucified without it being the end. But it's not end for Jesus. The cross is horrible. But it's also a wonderful thing. It's also a beautiful thing. Just so you know, I bought this for 10 bucks off of Facebook Marketplace. This isn't actually a legit plate. I probably should have told you that sooner. I just, <laughs> there are a couple of you who were like, ah, what? Um, the cross is horrible, but it's also wonderful. It's wonderful not because of, it's wonderful because of why God was willing to do it. God was willing to enter into humanity because he loved us. The Apostle Paul says it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross. You see, there was something on the other side of the pain of the cross that made Jesus be like, all right, I'm going for it. I'm, I will do that. For the thing that's on the other side. It's not just a thing. It's a person. It's a people. It's you and it's me. He was willing to go through it. You see, um, pain, it's a weird sort of thing. Pain in some ways is like a currency. That when you love somebody, you spend it on them, right? Like when you love something, you're kind of willing to suffer for it. The more you love it, the more you suffer. Uh, Packers fans, I know there's we got some Packers fans in the room. Um, there's nothing that describes us in our day and age now better than probably like Lambeau Field in January and that guy who rips off his shirt and paints himself and like spends three hours in negative three degrees because he's like, I love the backer, you know? And it's almost like the more pain, the more you love something, the more you just are like so excited to like sort of spend the currency of love and, and, and suffer for that thing. You guys, when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the bank for you. He loved you that much that the pain of the cross was nothing 
compared to what was laid ahead when you and I would um, be brought back to him. Um, theolo- it was th- the cross wasn't a surprise to Jesus. There's this, like, fr- uh, if you like to be theologically nerdy, um, there's a phrase uh, called the pactum salutis. It really means, like, God's plan of salvation. God, from the beginning, knew what it would take for you and I to experience forgiveness, right? When, um, when he created humanity, right, like he fashions Adam out of the clay, like little like guy, you know, and, and he's going to breathe life into him. And you imagine the Trinity in that moment being like, if we do this, you know what, you know this is going to mean. They're going to walk away from me. They're going to do their own thing. They will break our hearts, and they'll break our law, and they'll break the world that we gave them. There'll be pain, and there'll be suffering, and there'll be heartache and death. God sort of did like the cost-benefit analysis of it. But then he thought about you. He thought about you. He thought about you. He thought about all of us. He thought about his people. It was like he's like, oh, yeah, let's do this again. And the son of God said, let me go. Let me be the one who gets to spend the currency of pain on my love for those that I create. And God stooped and blew life into humanity. Willingly for the joy that was set before him. So that we could have the chance to live truly live now, but ultimately live forever. God was willing to do that. He wanted to do it for us. You see, the first rebellion of sin, like, right, from our first human parents, like, was loaded with, uh, their life was loaded with death. But the death of Jesus was loaded with life. And when he rose from the dead, it was like life exploded back into the world, back into um, all of creation, and now there's an opportunity for it to explode also into our life for us to be right with God again. Um, the Apostle Paul in Romans 5 says, just as the disobedience of one man, uh, where we go, for just as through disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, that's sort of what happened in the beginning, so through the obedience to the life of Jesus, of the one man, the many will be made sinners righteous. The life and death of Jesus makes us right with God. You guys, that's an incredible gift, right? I got more of my Facebook marketplace, please. Um, even if this were one of Alicia's nice plates. Uh, if, like any gift, no matter how much it's been bought, purchased, paid for, wrapped, offered to you, at some point, like, the gift will never become yours unless at some point you decide to receive it, right? You guys, Jesus, God offers you the most priceless, valuable gift in all the universe. God the Father offers you his son. Jesus offers you his life. And it's like he's saying, please, please take it. 
know, some of us, we have grown up in church. We've been around that gift the whole time, but we've never for ourselves said, I want, I, I want that. Some of us have never done it. Some of us have taken it, and we've just sort of haphazardly played with it in our lives. Guys, we got to hang on to, like, both the wonder and the horror of what Jesus did for us in our life. We have to hold on to both of them. If we only hang on to the horror of the cross, you will live your Christian life from a place of guilt, right? You're going to feel, I remember hearing Jesus died for you, and I used to feel bad about that, like, sorry, Jesus, you know, like, and I would just live in so much guilt and shame because I was living only thinking about the horror. But if we hold on also to the wonder, the beauty of what Jesus did, you guys, it's like, um, like it, it displaces guilt and shame, and it allows for beautiful, like sober sort of gratitude to grow out of our hearts. And so tonight, I just want you guys to know that, like, God will never offer you this and take it away. And he doesn't want, he doesn't want to just leave it in front of you. He wants you to experience the goodness of it in your life. He wants the wonder and the horror of the beautiful and terrible gift of his, the, his death on the cross to radically shape your life and to let there be a powerful, beautiful sort of gratitude that motivates your life to its fullness. I just, I just wonder what would happen if tonight you just gave in to receiving this in your life. Whether it's for the first time or sort of for the hundredth time and being like, you know what? I am, I am going to, I'm going to hold on to that, <laughs> right? I'm going to take that gift and I'm going to protect it and celebrate it for the beautiful, powerful gift that it is. And you guys, as you do that, man, it's never too late. Um, it's never too late. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Jesus is broken for you, and he also lives for you now and wants his life to explode in you.